Yo, 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 yo. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to episode 169 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Super Bowl 57 weekend is fast approaching us as we are two days away from the big game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll give you my Super Bowl preview, my takes analysis, and who I believe will win Super Bowl 57. And the NBA made a splash this week. So in my NBA takes, I'll talk about the most impactful trades that occurred during this past week. Coming up on the other side, stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's get episode 169 started. I know everybody's looking forward to my Super Bowl 57 preview, but we'll get to that in just a bit. But I'm going to start this opening take in the NBA. The NBA had some news throughout the, throughout the week, some big time trades, and some history. Let's start with the history. Congratulations to LeBron James on becoming the NBA's all-time leader in scoring, passing my guy, the captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He did this on Tuesday night versus the Oklahoma City Thunder on a nice fadeaway shot in the third quarter to pass Kareem. Now, they stopped the game for 10 minutes to congratulate both LeBron James and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who came on the floor to pass the, ball, pass the ball to LeBron James and of course photo ops, speeches things like that coming from LeBron and of course from Adam Silver it was a historical moment this record was held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for nearly 40 years nobody ever thought that that record would ever be broken Especially by LeBron James, who really isn't really a big time scorer. At least when he first came to the league, I mean, he just started scoring a lot of points in the last few years. I mean, he could score at any time, but LeBron likes to is, is a, a great facilitator of the ball. He likes to be able to score and assist at the same time, making him a very complete player. So. It was, it was great to see that this record was finally broken because records are meant to be broken. And kudos to the captain Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for standing the test of time and having a record that lasted for nearly four decades. And kudos to LeBron James for, for breaking that record. And he did this in his 20th season in the NBA. LeBron's been in the league since he was 18. 2003 to be exact. And now, 20 years later, he's still playing at the highest level. Chances are, he may get up there with Tom Brady and play till he's 45, 46. So, we'll see what happens going forward on how long LeBron can keep this up. But speaking of LeBron and the Lakers, the Lakers made some big moves before the trading deadline. One thing is they moved on from Russell Westbrook in a 
three-team trade. And of course, they gave away, they gave away one of their um, first-round draft picks that they've been protecting to the Utah Jazz. So here's who the Lakers got. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. Now anybody that knows DeAndre D'Angelo Russell, he was first drafted by the Lakers. And now he's coming back. And he's turned out to be a very good player. I mean, he was, you know, pretty average, you know, when he when he was a Laker the first time. But since then, he has improved his game. He's averaging 16 points a game, shooting 40% from three-point land. Then you have Malik Beasley. He, he brings 13 points a game, 36% from three. This is something the Lakers have been lacking. Lack of three-point shooting. I mean, LeBron can hit the three. I mean, Shooter can hit the three sometimes. But now they got something LeBron has been needing for some time. I've always said that if, if you look at LeBron's championships, what do they all have in common? He always had a, sh- a big-time shooter or two to um, pass the ball off to, whether he's getting double-teamed or he's slashing to the hole. And he can kick it off to a three-point shooter. And now he has that. And D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. And then on top of that, they decided, which I didn't see this one coming, they traded Patrick Beverly, who they got in the offseason, to Orlando for Mo Bamba. Now, what this does is, along with um, Jarrett Vanderbilt, this adds depth to their front line. Something they've desperately needed, especially with Anthony Davis being a pretzel stick and can't stay healthy. But of course, this gives him a time to get some rest. And also, this may also be a chance for them to have some bigs on the floor at the same time. You put Anthony Davis, if he can stay healthy, Mobamba, and you put Jarrett Vanderbilt. You know, a bunch of 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guys in the front court. And a good and and what I, what I like about this is they can play a lot of wing. They got some wing men out there as well, with D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. And of course, LeBron can play anywhere on the court. So overall, the Lakers have finally made the moves they've been needing to make. Now the question is, will will they finally be able to make the play-in tournament? They're two games behind and getting into the playoffs. I've said this, that the Lakers have to go on an 8 to maybe 10 to 11 game winning streak in order to make the playoffs. They can't be winning games here. They might win one or two games here, lose one or two games there. They can't be, they can't be inconsistent. They have to be able to go on a winning streak. I believe that's their only shot right now of not only getting the playoffs, but even get as far as getting the sixth seed so to avoid the um, play-in tournament. So let's see what DeMar Ham, who's supposed to be a defensive guy, can come up with. 
and the Lakers got to get that score, that the, the, the defensive presence right. Because they give up too many points. Even if when they win games, they feel like they have to outscore teams. And that's, I don't think that's a good recipe for going for, for, for going far in the playoffs. You got to be able to um, stop some teams. So, it's, right now, they're five games under 500. So let's see what happens going forward. And it starts tonight, which of course LeBron won't be playing because of a sore ankle against the Milwaukee Bucks. But after that, let's see what he can do after the All-Star break. Now another big trade. I woke up to this this morning. As soon as I woke up, took a shower, get ready to eat breakfast, pop on ESPN.com, and what do I see? Kevin Durant getting traded to the Phoenix Suns. Now you figure after the trade of Kyrie Irving, which I'll talk about that in just a bit, this shouldn't come too much as a shock. Kevin Durant earlier this season asked for a trade. And one of the um, destinations that he wanted to be traded to was the, the Phoenix Suns. But of course, that request was not granted. So Kevin Durant just went ahead and played throughout the season. Of course, he's injured right now. So it'll be interesting to see when he will make his debut for the um, Phoenix Suns. But here's what the Phoenix Suns did. The Phoenix Suns gave away four first round picks. So that what that what they're basically telling the NBA, the Phoenix Sun fans, is that they're going all in. They're basically taking a page out of the Los Angeles Rams playbook. And they're basically saying, forget the picks. We want a championship right now. And of course, in this package, along with those four first round picks, they sent away some pretty good players for their team. They, they sent away Malik Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Jay Crowder. I mean, these guys were on that Phoenix Suns team that went to the NBA championship a, few, a couple of years back. And of course, in another side note, Jay Crowder, he actually um, got picked up by the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's going to be huge because that, that gives them another shooter. Because one of the things, the reasons why Milwaukee got put out of playoffs by Boston, because outside of um, Giannis, and when Chris Middleton got hurt, they didn't have really no other shooter. And Jay Crowder will provide that for them. Of course, for the Nets, not only they don't have Kevin Durant, but they don't have Kyrie Irving. But they left them in fourth place in the East. Now, will they be able to hang on to that? Remains to be seen. But what does what does Kevin Durant do for Phoenix? He gives them a deadly score, a guy that can get his own shot from anywhere on the court. So most nights you basically have to pick your poison: Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. Any of those, and Chris Paul, of course. Here's my only issue I have with this trade. The health of the big three. 
Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. What I mean by that? What I mean is, Kevin Durant right now is nursing an injury. Now, chances are he should be back before the All-Star break or after. But Kevin Durant hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of seasons. He's gotten hurt somewhere during the season. So, at 34 years old, the question remains, how long will, will he be able to come back and will he be able to stay healthy? Devin Booker right now is out with an injury. He's, and he's been out for, for, for some time. So, and of course, we all know Chris Paul's um, history. He breaks down. He could break down at any moment. So, th- this, this on paper looks to be a team that should be able to compete and go far in the Western Conference. But I'm not... I'm not gonna sit, I'm not gonna um put the Phoenix Suns in a championship. I gotta see how this plays out with these three on the court and whether they can stay healthy for the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Now let's move on to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, before Kevin Durant was traded. A, a, a day or so before that, Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. So what this does is Kyrie Irving now is going to be a one-two punch with Luka, Donk- Luka Donkic, who right now is currently nursing an injury. Kyrie Irving balled out last night. He had 24 points in the win over the Clippers. So... What you have is two guys that can get their own shot at any time. It's obvious Mark Cuban is going all in. He's thinking Kyrie is the piece he needs to complement Luka and win him a championship. While it does look good, I'm not so sure. Because I got to see more from their front court. That's right. The Dallas Mavericks, we all know the backcourt is, is going to be solid with um, Luka and Kyrie Irving. But it's the front court that I, that I have to um, think about. Can guys like Christian Wood, can, can, he, can he hold up? Can guys like, you know, Darion Finley-Smith, well, he, of course, he got traded. My mistake. But I got to see what the front court can do. Can they hold their end of the bargain? Can they help complement Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic? That's going to be my question. So I, I can't wait to see what what how these two guys, when, they put, when, when Luka comes back from injury, to see how they play together as one. I'm going to close the, my NBA take segment with this. The, New Jer- the Brooklyn Nets, this was a, co- co- a complete and colossal failure. They had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And then they added James Harden. This was supposed to be 
almost similar to like the Miami Heat. They were supposed to go to at least four championships in a row and win two, maybe three. But it never worked out. First of all, they hired they hired a coach, Steve Nash, good player, good guy, but had no idea what he was doing. I mean, it's as simple as that. And of course, you know, Kyrie and, and KD couldn't stay healthy. Of course, Kyrie had, of course, other issues, you know, not only if he, if he wasn't healthy, you know, he didn't want to play because he was, you know, trying to be an activist. And not only that, they didn't put, they didn't have good, I mean, like I said, good coaching um, competency. I mean, it, they had everything they needed to run the East for at least four to five years. And they failed. And this lays at the feet of the Brooklyn Nets owner. He, it, it all starts at the top. So, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of draft capital now. Now it's going to be interesting to see how he uses it going forward. Because I personally believe if he can't get it done, he needs to just go ahead and just sell the team to somebody who can. Period. All right, that ends my NBA takes segment. Now let's move on to the NFL. Let's move on to Super Bowl 57, which which will be on Sunday at 6.30, February 12th, 2023. And this will be, this is something that's a rarity for this type of, for this type of game. Two number one seeds. The Eagles were the best team in the NFL all season long. The Chiefs were the best team in the AFC. At I wouldn't say all season, but at at periods. I mean, Buffalo and Cincinnati could could easily argue that they were the best. They were the best team during most of the season. But we all know that all the Chiefs have to do is get into the playoffs, and they're and most likely they're going to see. An AFC championship. And they did that for five straight years. For the fifth straight year. And now they're gonna see if they can rebound and get another Super Bowl. Because the last time that the um Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, they got manhandled. They got taken apart. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life, similar to what Cam Newton was against the Broncos in Super Bowl 50. Patrick has had one of the worst games I've ever seen in his whole career. And of course, he doesn't have many bad games, but that was the worst. So they're going to see if they can get their second Super Bowl in five years. Of course, they won one back in 2020 against my team. So now, they're going to see if they can reclaim that magic again and, and create a possible dynasty. The Philadelphia Eagles 
It's been, what, four or five years since their last Super Bowl. And now they have a chance to maybe start something of their own with a victory on Sunday. There's some great storylines in this one. I think one of the one one, one I think one big storyline, in my view, is Andy Reid. Andy Reid is coaching against the team that he took this five NFC championships in one Super Bowl. Of course, he fell short against the New England Patriots. And then, after a decade, he was let go. And he was picked up by the Chiefs, where he's going to five AFC championships and three Super Bowls. And of course, Nick Sirianni mentioned that he has a chip on his shoulder because Aaron Eads snubbed him from and by not hiring him, rehiring him as a defensive backs coach. So he's still upset about that. So it's gonna be so Sirianni has a chance to stick it to Andy Reid with a victory on Sunday. Now let's look at the quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts. He made a big third-year leap. Now, I'll admit I'm, I'm like a lot of people kind of skeptical on whether. He, he could be able to hold down the starting quarterback position. His first two years, well, first year, he struggled. Second year, he struggled, but he got, but he did improve. And now in his third year, he made a huge leap. Now, of course, it helps that the um, Eagles brass believed in him so much that they got him, they got him a big piece at wide receiver with AJ Brown. Now, I know the Houston, um, the t- Tennessee Titans are probably kicking them, should be kicking themselves right now for let, for um, trading away this A.J. Brown. Combined him with Devontae Smith, and you had a one-two punch at wide receiver. But Jalen Hurts, he, 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 he went in the offseason, and he, and, he, and he put in the work, and the results speak for itself. The man can beat you with his arm and his legs. Part of, part, of, part of the reason why they had the best record because he's able to do either or. He, If you think about it, even though the Eagles had three losses during the regular season, he was only involved in one loss, one of the losses. The other two losses is because he was injured. Now, I'm not saying... They was going to go, you know, 17 and one or undefeated, but it was a, it was, it was possible. But you had to give kudos to Jalen Hurts for making that third year leap. Now there's no question who the franchise quarterback for the Eagles going forward. So imagine if he wins this Super Bowl, he's in for a big Now let's move on to Patrick Mahomes. He's been here. This will be his third trip. Patrick Mahomes and his offense continues to excel. Despite losing Tyreek Hill 
in a trade to the Miami Dolphins. He still has his um, safety blanket, Travis Kelsey. But as far as the receivers go, I mean, I was a little skeptical. I, I figured it might take a little bit of a drop. But Patrick Holmes still put up some big numbers. Even with, with um, guys like um, Marquez Valdez-Scandlin, Juju Smith-Schuster, and of course, Kadarius Toby, who they got in a trade. So Patrick Holmes was still able to keep, the, um, keep it together and get this offense running like a well-oiled machine. And of course, looks like they found a, a, a nice running back, not just for this year, but going forward in Isaac Pacheco. And Jarek McKinnon, who can run and catch. So that helps out a lot for this offense. And of course, a lot's been made about the fact that both these men are two black quarterbacks. And that this what, this, what this does, even though it's symbolic, but it does show, it does, when kids are watching this, they can, they can, uh, this, this could, this could, um, influence them to say, hey, we can play quarterback too, because we all know the history and the stigma that's been, that was put on black quarterbacks for years. But the more of them came up and started winning, and, take, and leading their teams, the more that stigma is being broken. Here's, I think, uh, another storyline for this one. The defenses. The Eagles led the NFL with 70 sacks this season. That's the second most in NFL history behind the 85 Chicago Bears. This is a complete defense. The defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Hassan Reddick. I mean, linebackers, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. And of course, Darius Slate, Slay, who finally has a chance after, of course, wasting a lot of his, a good part of his career in Detroit. But he finally has a chance to play and get a chip. So, Patrick Mahomes is going to have his hands full with this defense. Because this defense, and it's aggressive, and they're going to be coming. But of course, this defense is going to have to know where Travis Kelsey is at all times. Because Travis Kelsey can get open in a variety of ways. And as for the Chiefs, it starts with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Chris Jones was the man that ended the Bengals season. He got the key sack when the Bengals were driving, but got would help get the ball back for Patrick Mahomes and company to take the ball down the field and kick that game-winning field goal. Javarius Sneed, their best um, cover corner, it's going to be interesting to see who he's, who's he going to um, cover. Is he going to cover A.J. Brown all the time? Or is he going to cover um, Devontae Smith? Who is he going to cover? But for this, for this, for the Chiefs defense is always, 
has always been good, but not great. I mean, Steve Spagnuolo is good in um, creating pressure. But he better be able to create some pressure in this one. And he better be able to stop the run. Because the Eagle, Jalen Hurts and company is going to be able to hit the Chiefs in different ways. Not just through Jalen Hurts' running and throwing. You still got Miles Sanders and Kenneth um, Galwell. Who's come, uh, and Galwell has come along nicely. And of course, Dallas Garber, the tight end. They got to be aware of him at all times. I think he could be the X Factor. Because they're going to be looking to try to slow down the running game. And try to um, contain A.J. Brown. So Dallas Garber, I think, could be an X Factor in deciding this game. But I believe in the end, this game is going to come down to who wins in the trenches. The Philadelphia Eagles have a strong offensive line. The Chiefs have a, have a strong defensive, have a good defensive line. The Philadelphia Eagles defense is strong, but so is the um, Chiefs offense, the offensive line. So it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to which of these defenses is able to disrupt the other team's offense. Who's able to be able to get turnovers when it counts the most? Who's going to be able to put up points in critical times? This game is going to be close. Make no mistake. This game is going to probably come down to the fourth quarter. And probably in the last five minutes. So I'll just go ahead and give you my prediction right here, right now. There's not going to be no prediction. Both these teams beat my team. Hassan Reddick knocked out my quarterback. So, I want both of these teams to lose. That's right. I want them both to lose. I don't care. Not just kidding. I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna do the listeners like that. I mean, what happened happened. Like I say, those teams were just better than my team. So, it is what it is. So we'll try again next year. But this game's going to come down, as I stated, to the last five minutes of the game. I actually trust the Eagles' defense more than I trust the um, Chiefs' defense. I think the I, I think the Eagles' offense is a more complete team. I think there's too many weapons to try to stop. And I believe their defense will do just enough to disrupt Patrick Mahomes and company. And I think the Eagles will go on to become the champions of the NFL and win Super Bowl 57 by a field goal. So I'm going to go Eagles 30, the Chiefs 27. Now that concludes episode 169 of Sports Takes Galore. 
I'm your homo host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening, downloading, streaming. It's very much appreciated. You can follow, you can um, stream this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Anchor, and wherever you stream your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13 and follow my Facebook page, Sports Takes Galore with Gabe. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy Super Bowl 57, and I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.